0: Welcome to Newton & Co, our latest podcast. I'm here again today with my co-host, David Newton. David, hello.
1: Hi there, Chris. Uh, Good to be here again. Today, we have an incredibly interesting person, and I'm not going to say photographer, because while he inhabits the photographic space, he's not, as far as we're aware, a photographer, but he has quite a heavy impact on photography, I think that would be fair to say, uh, Frank Mio as a photographer's representative, photographer's agent involved in all sorts of things around photography, particularly advertising, judging photographic competitions, mentoring photographers. I think it's fair to say that your impact in photography is far and wide um, and it's a very interesting role you have and we'd love to find out more. So without further
2: ado, Frank, welcome. Thank you for joining us. David, thank you, Chris. I appreciate very, very much uh, to be with you guys today, and I'm looking forward to getting some information out to everybody.
1: Fabulous. Well, we'll begin straight off with our first question. You have been involved in the photographic industry for, what, about 30 years? But you are not a photographer, as far as we know. So tell us a bit about what you actually do. What, what does your role entail?
2: You're 100% right in that I don't take photographs. I've always been representing photographers for... Uh, for 25, 30 years, I started off working at an ad agency, which really set the stage for, you know, getting into this business, loving photography through this ad agency. The ad agency was um and Gargano uh, here in the States. Very, very well known, did a lot of great creative work. So it was being around all those creative people, which really um, set the stage for me to embrace the creative community. And, and I've always I've sort of always helped photographers and always appreciated what they did. Were you ever tempted to be the other side of the camera? No. You know, I have to say, Chris, in the most calm way, I never I never felt, you know, I could do that or I should do that. Never, never at all. It was always a great appreciation for what all these men and women do that I have to say that never entered my mind. And you represent photographers. What does that entail? My, my career sort of has gone through um, different, uh, different variations. So I've always represented photographers in the commercial space. And over time, representing them, realizing that the rep has so much influence on a person's career. And I really take that job that uh, almost an, an honor, be part of that pho- photographic community, and you know what what that job is is to go out and get work for photographers representing them to potential clients so i would go to ad agencies i would go to magazines newspapers whatever it was and say you know these are the people i represent and get those clients to see the work that we do or the photographers did and you know show them you know we could be doing this work for you and look at this particular woman's style or this guy's style It was all around that. But then what happened over time, the industry changed. and That's a whole other conversation. But I found myself getting more and more attracted to photojournalists. And the more you realize photojournalists, they don't make any money. You know, they're doing all this important work for all of us to see around the world. You pick the issue and, you know, they get a they get a photograph, you know, on the cover of uh, the New York Times and they get two hundred dollars. $300. You understand that, you really get a sickening feeling in your stomach. So what I try to do is take that photojournalistic style and see clients that can use that style, but in the commercial space, so that getting photographers to shoot for whatever client it may be, but those clients wanting, and that's what's great now, clients are looking for real. They're not looking for over the top hair and makeup and styling. They're looking for real people doing real things and selling their products in that way. So it could be for a hospital. It could be for Timberland. It could be for a bank, whatever it is. And the key point being is that now photographers, photojournalists, can make real money when we produce those kind of jobs. The key is for me to get to the photojournalist before the photojournalist gets to the client. because The photojournalist will just give it away. They'll either give it away. Or they don't do an estimate the right way. So it, it makes the client frightened that, wait a second, there's no production in here. There's no hair and makeup or there's no Winnebago or, or all those kinds of things that come natural for a commercial shoot. So it's marrying those two different worlds together so that the client is satisfied and happy that the photographer can get what they want. And the photographer is happy they can make some real money, but the production values are there. That's really the key. So, you know, being in that world. So it makes me, you know, for me, totally gratifying to be working with photojournalists and giving them the chance to make some real money. And, and so then they can go off and I won't see them for a year or two years going and shooting, you know, bumblebees in the middle of Africa, because that's really important to climate change. Right. You know, whatever it may be. So, so when that's you commercial work you're leaning towards advertising, are you? For me, I don't really get into the editorial space other than, you know, admiring it. I'm trying to make photographers make money without, without them selling their souls, doing what they want to do and making some real dough. I mean, I, I can't tell you, I, I've handed checks to photojournalists for $100,000 just on creative fee, just the fee on jobs. And I, I had one woman, she started to cry and she said, this changes my life. You know, imagine that. I mean, imagine, like, to be in that space. I mean, that's one of the highlights of my life, you know, and and I'll never forget, at the same time she's shooting that, she's waiting for a call, and I can tell that she's nervous from Doctors Without Borders, where she's going to get $1,200 to sit someplace in Haiti where, you know, she's going to be living in a tent, you know, in a mud-filled tent. She wanted that job as much as she wanted this other job, even more. I mean, that's the head of the photojournalist which is so admirable. And like I say, every once in a while, you can get a piece of, you know, just helping them a little bit, you know, it's great. Very it's, rewarding. It's say. interesting. I think
1: photographers across the board notoriously undervalue their services. And so I guess your role is to either help them understand the value in their work, or at least help them realize the value in their work in a monetary sense.
2: There, you hit it right on the head, you know, and, and the key is really just stop. Like you got to stop the clock before they give it away. You also have to convince them that there is that much money involved. You know, these clients do have that money and that's not to make the client the bad guy, not at all. It's really to say there is value because now they're going to use your imagery to sell their product, whatever that product may be. It may be banking. It may be garnishing more patients for their hospital. Whatever it is, they're making money. Why don't we make use of money? and convincing them the other thing is your images have value and everyone knows it but you as it relates to the commercial side so part part of the challenge for me is to you know like i'll I'll give an estimate like so so we're doing a job and i'll be very much in contact with the photographer all the time whenever i do an estimate we go back and forth back and forth and they'll look at it why do i need two assistants why do i need this i can just go and shoot it by myself but that's not in the commercial space. That's just not the way it works. Clients need to see that you're gonna have two assistants. You're gonna have $1,500 in for lunch, you know, for the, you know, these two days of shooting. And they look at $1,500 for lunch. You know, I can get chips and a sandwich, you know, but if a client saw like on your estimate, $70 for six people to eat, they'll run the other way. I mean, it, it, it's those kinds of like little dopey details, location searching. And securing locations, getting permits, all these things for for photojournalists, it's like we're talking two different languages. You know, you just stop the clock, and we just explain it slowly, and then they get it. And then, of course, they get it. I mean, we're not doing brain surgery. You know, you just say, you know, this is, this is the way the clients, this is the way ad people think, right? That you're going to be able to do the production and bring it in. And that's what we do, and, and um, it, it works such an interesting perspective because as i said photographers
1: notoriously undervalue their work you know chris and i both photographers i know i notoriously undervalue my work i don't charge anywhere near enough for what i do but i've i've experienced it where i've put a quote in to a potential client and exactly that they've they've almost gone yeah no that's like too cheap i need to pay more to make sure i get the quality well my perspective is i can
2: give you the quality for less money exactly but i need to actually be extracting more money from them Right. I mean, it's it sort of pretzel logic, right? It, it, does, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's why for me, the one of the best things about you know this, this long career is working for the ad agency. So I really have a sense of what it's like to be the client, to what it's like to be in the ad agency, and how the ad agency has to sell it to the client, right? And they're selling you, right? They're selling you as the photographer. I'm in that middle, right? There you are as the photographer. Here I am as the client your client is the ad agency but the ad agency has their client so it's nike whoever it is the ad agency is putting their name connected to you like this you're one and they need to convince that that nike client that this is the guy to do the shoot you know this is the one and let me show you why and they look at the estimate they look at your website all those different things and if you you know like well we're shooting you know on the beach for four days how come we don't have in for a winnebago you know, and how can we don't have this, and how can we don't have that? I mean, that would stand out like a lightning bolt. So, and and so now, my job is to convince the photographer you need all this in there. That's that's really the thing, and to appreciate the value of Frank. How could you charge that? And you're going to charge them a day rate, and then you're going to charge them usage, and then you're going to charge them for this, and and out of home usage. I said, yeah, all those things matter. There, And now it becomes sort of a teaching lesson where I have to explain to the photographer, listen, when you see that billboard up over the highway, they spent $40,000 just to place the ad. Why should you only get $500 for that? Right? Do, you know, it, it's not logical. But so much of that is not a place where photographers live. They live in taking beautiful shots. Right. I mean, you, you guys have you know, this incredible competition and you're seeing beautiful images, but that's all a photographer wants to do is shoot beautiful images.
0: You know, from the photographer's perspective, a lot of us start with editorial and right. we're being offered twenty five, fifty dollars for a picture and they won't send us on a shoot because it's too expensive. So you can kind of understand how the photographers come to that attitude
2: when you meet them and then transport them into that different world. Yeah, I, I understand that that completely, and the whole Getty world where you know they're selling your images for ten and fifteen dollars, and you know all the stock houses. Yeah, I, I understand completely, completely how that happens, and and it's frustrating for, on a number of levels because then you have a whole career in that space right, where you're nickel and diming it all the time. And then you want to be able to say to them, listen, that's the way that it was. But let me tell you, there's this whole other world that, that we're living with over here where people are making a lot of money. And the problem becomes, as, as you get deeper into it, you have clients who are only buying stock photography. And now all of a sudden, they need to shoot something special. And they're still in a head of, well, we could buy that for $400. You know, that really turns the whole thing upside down. Because, I mean, I know art directors that haven't done shoots in years. They've just bought images, you know, existing images. That's where, you know, the stock houses really did an injustice to the photographers. Because if they kept those prices high, then the photographers would have made money on their existing images. But the clients would have realized, well, if we want to shoot something, this does make sense. That's where the whole thing broke down because, I mean, I worked for Getty for a few months and we were in a meeting and there must have been was like 200 people there. And somebody asked in the question, how many people here have worked for an ad agency? And I was the only one that raised their hand. Like they didn't really have a sense of what goes on in an ad agency. There's a big void there. It's almost like, you know, photographers who've never assisted and then just go into the world. It's really a hard thing to do. And there's so much information that you've missed.
1: It's interesting, you know, you've kind of touched on one of the questions that I wanted to get to was how have you seen photography and rates in photography change over 30 years? And I guess I was kind of getting towards the microstock world because I worked as a picture editor in a picture library for a while and it was just before microstock started and rates were still reasonably high and then microstock arrived. And on principle, I still have no work with microstock because I think it's destroying the photographic industry. And I'm curious on your perspective, how that's changed the industry.
2: Stock photography, you know, the idea when it started, people were making, people had like a nice income, you know, 50, $70,000 a year, sometimes more, but, but it was nice and consistent. And, and it's an easy target to rag on the stock agencies. But I think what we have to do is we really, and I tell photographers all the time, take all your images back, and tell five of your friends to do the same thing. So on a a broader scale of this, it's really the photographers that did it to themselves, and they keep doing it. Listen, everything I have in my whole world is from photographers. I put two kids through school, a wedding, you know, house, everything is because of photographers. And I have the utmost respect, but I don't get how they can keep on feeding that machine. But, you know, that that ship has sailed. You know, it, it just has sailed. And there's no, there's, no, there's no stopping it. And, and I always use the same analogy. I can take one of your photographs or a stock agency and they'll sell it for 20 cents, $2, whatever it is. And you're fine with that. But if I take one of your photographs and I crop it a 16th of an inch, you'll come and kill me. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Right. It just does not make sense. There's got to be a, a talk on the psychology of photographers. I, I don't know, you know. I don't know. But that's, that's always a you know, sort of a frustrating thing. It's the, uh, I think it's the the artist mentality. We we love taking pictures. And
1: as I said before, we don't value as much as we should what we do. Um, I've told people in the past, you talk about people, photographers that are successful. And in my experience, the most successful photographers, if you want to measure success by their monetary income, are actually not great photographers they're great marketeers. And so I kind of have the feeling that as an agent, you replace that marketing capability that
2: photographers seemingly across the board lack. Would that be a fair analogy? You're 100% right. It's just that piece, that marketing piece that they either choose not to find out about, don't feel comfortable in it. Because like you say, I just want to take photographs. I just want to take beautiful images, look through that lens and man, it, it's just magic. I, I don't have time. I don't want to be bothered with negotiations and this, this and that. And that's fine, you know, but it it ends up making a struggle for, you know, your income and for your, on, your ongoing survival as, as a photographer, right? I mean, it's really hard because the equipment doesn't come down in price. The lighting doesn't come down. All the learning you guys have to do, you know, lens, you know, all of that, none of those prices come down. Why are you coming down? I, and that's a that's another issue in that in the schools, they don't teach any business. None of the, none of the, the photography schools. I mean, I, I talk to young kids because I do a lot of mentoring. I said, you know, if a client came to you to do an estimate, it's like I said, you know, I'd like you to do brain surgery on me later this afternoon. You know, I just have no idea. The schools really put out oodles and oodles of photographers who f- have found their voice and found their vision and all that stuff. And they they couldn't put together an estimate for two people to go and shoot shoot anything, you know, and no usage rights and don't have any of that in, that information. That is a real shortcoming, and, and and I see that in all the schools, all these workshops. And I don't know how the the kids let that happen. I don't know how how the parents who are paying these tuitions. Nobody's saying how come you don't know how to do business, right? And business doesn't have to be a boring thing. It doesn't, you know, you don't need to be a mathematician to put together an estimate. You just need to know it. You know, I, I don't want to make marketing and business like this boring, you know, like you have to, you know, get become a CPA in accounting, right? You don't need that, but you need to have a sense of your worth, your images, and what that is in you know, in the space of being in a commercial space that you know your things have value. And companies are making millions of dollars, literally millions of dollars off of your beautiful imagery. Why don't you think you deserve one? And that's the other thing. People are intimidated. And I get that. People are intimidated by that space. You know, you guys are artists, right? And beautiful, but you know, long gone are those days where you can just be an artist. You need to be a businesswoman. You need to be a business person. You really just just a touch of it. Like I said, you don't need to take, you know, a zillion classes, but you know, learn that a little bit. This is going to be an incredibly blunt
1: question. I expect your answer to be just as blunt, but it will lead into something a little more lengthy, I hope. Uh, Your answers like to be biased. Should photographers, should all photographers have an agent?
2: It it really depends upon the photographer. The reason why I, I, I hesitate is because having the agent isn't now all of a sudden this work coming in from every different direction. That's just bullshit. That is just not the way it works because having an agent is now having somebody who's gonna help you, but you got to help the agent, right? I mean, you've got to do your marketing, you've got to be on LinkedIn, you've got to be doing Instagram, you've got to be doing Twitter, tweeting, and you know, and all this, all these social media platforms. That's on you. That's and that's on the rep as well. So the agent can help, but you know, you need to be a business partner with that agent. And the agent wants you to be, you know, wants you to be creative, but you know, wants you to be able to get on the phone. And have a conversation with a creative director in the most businesslike way to understand products and how products get moved. Again, you don't need to take a marketing class, but you need to know like so if you're working with someone you're working with Timberland, you've got to know you know some information about you know where they produce their shoes, right, and their whole you know their, their line extensions, clothes and all this other stuff. You need to have a sense of that, again, not as the, as the expert, to have a sense of that. Don't think the agent is the 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 way, you know, the, the win, right? That all of a sudden they got an agent and all the jobs are coming through. Because that that's just, I mean, those days is over too. Just cut not cross
1: again. Sorry about that, Chris. Uh, it's interesting you you say it, it's not the magic bullet. You know, over my career, I've had people say to me, You should get an agent, you should get this agent, you, you know, whatever. And I've always veered away from it for two reasons. One, I guess not necessarily understanding what an agent does. Two, it's a point you touched on. It's the, I guess, the fear or the, the, the lack of awareness of that market that an agent might put you into, particularly the advertising market, the intimidation value of big numbers being thrown around and how does someone fit in that space? It's very intriguing from that perspective. You know, you're sitting there saying, but there is this money available and trying to get that through to photographers at an early enough stage.
2: Yeah. And, and, it, and it doesn't just have to be early. I mean, you could be in the middle of your career. You could be towards the latter part of your career. It, it doesn't matter. But remember, the rep is only going to take you on if he or she sees value. I have people that want Chris's work. I have people that David really like, you know, David's style. Chris wants <laughs> to know who those people are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. The listeners is coming. No, because now we're in business together. For, you know, forget that I love your work. Right. But now we're doing business. All right, so if I'm going to help you, how are you going to help me? It, it's really very much a two-way street, and that—that's really the piece that I want to convey. Because there are great reps. I mean, I have many dear friends who really have been successful in getting you know business for photographers and moving you know shepherding their careers along. So you know, a rep is great. I just want to hedge it that just because you get a rep, that isn't the answer. Because there's plenty of people who have had reps that weren't successful. You know, you have enough of those war stories on both sides. So, you know, having a rep, having a rep is really great in that you have a business partner. You, you're sharing ideas. Somebody's telling you what's going on on the street. Listen, David, you need more here. You need to do more here. Your lighting is great, but you should do, be doing more of this. You know, whatever it may be, you know, having someone that you really trust and respect. And that's the other thing. You're getting a rep. You're getting married. That is really a serious thing. You're in business. Now, this person, you're relying on your livelihood to, to bring you business. But that's, you know, as comforting as that could be on one level, it's also, you know, a huge responsibility like a marriage, right? You know, you're trusting someone, you're relying on them, you know, in so many ways. And now the piece is the rep, you know, this, you know wins the lottery and wants to go live in Tahiti. Now, what? what are you left with? And that's why I say everyone needs to have a little bit of a business sense, So that if the rep decides to, you know, leave the business or whatever, where are you left? So your job, and this is really key, your job as the photographer is to build those relationships also with creative directors, with ad agencies, so you're not left high and dry. So on the photo shoots that you're doing, when you meet a client, engage that client, you know, whether it's the client, whether it's the art director, whether it's the ad agency that's your job and that's your job while you connect with them on linkedin and twitter and instagram that's you know that's all marketing 101 instead of just being that aloof photographer over here you are engaged so that you're building these relationships that is the key to our business is relationship building because somebody's got to work with you for a week they want to know this is going to be a fun time you know we're going to do the shoot we're going to have great imagery but, you know, this guy is going to know the best breweries, the best chicken wings, you know, in Buffalo, wherever it is, they're going to know.
0: You made a good case for the, for the kind of business side of a photographer's career. How do you go about getting an agent? I mean, if someone like yourself must see thousands of photographers portfolios. What is it that catches your eye and makes a standout one? It's
2: horribly boring, but, you know, some photographer approaches you. You know, you want them, you know, it's like, it's like a first date, really. You want to know like a little bit about that person, because a lot lot of times photographers will just send, you know, to whom it may concern, done, out, right? You know, you're not even looking at that. But what you have to do is you have to, so the photographer has to say, all right, I want to be represented by so-and-so, Elder or, or Randy Cole or Marianne Campbell, whoever it is right so the idea is like anything is really research who they represent already and are you a good fit it's sort of like a gallery you know you know the galleries that your work can hang in but it probably can't hang in you know howard greenberg who only has black and white you know from the 50s right that's not a right connection same thing with, with a rep okay so so and so she has five fashion photographers why would a travel photographer try to connect with that person it's a disconnect doesn't make sense So what you do is you, you look at your competition. Who are they represented by? And you start to break it down and you start to do your research. All right, these five agents are possibilities for me. One, I would fit in nicely. I love the other photographers that they represent. I can see some of their clients. So if I see their clients, I know what ad agencies that they are interested in, right? So you start to like check off these boxes so that when you finally reach out, you can say something. Listen, I think I'm a good match, and let me tell you why. You know, I see that you're, you're with Ogilvy and Mather. Ogilvy and Mather has the Jeep account, and all their shoots are on location in these exotic places. I'm a travel photographer. I know those exotic places. I know places that people have never seen before. So you can start to have that conversation and you can see, well, you know, that makes sense. And more importantly that it makes sense is that the rep gets the idea, this guy, this woman is a smart man, smart woman. They're doing some due diligence before they came to me to know that I would be the right fit. Now, I may not like your style or whatever it is, that's something else, but that's the kind of research you need to do on that rep that you're the right fit. That's, that's really, really the key. Because you're wasting their time, your time. If you know you go to someone who represents, like I say, five fashion photographers. That's that's just not gonna work. You know, it just makes no sense. Because they don't they, they don't have any of your potential clients. They're just dealing uh Calvin Klein and Hugo Boss. You know, they're not looking to shoot cars.
0: So advertising a long-winded
2: answer, my God.
0: <laughs> advertising is about communication about whether that's a product or an experience or a concept i'm interested in the link between words and pictures and whilst a picture may say a thousand words how important is the first one that an image
2: invokes well the the image i mean the image is king right so when when you see that image what what you know where does that bring you so if if you're are you speaking more towards like your website as far as website presentation and your photo, photographs there what, what do you mean there, Chris?
0: I do a lot of work with, with pictures. And, and one of the things I do with pre-visualization is what does this image that I'm about to take say to me? Mm. Would it be tranquility, excitement, uh, nature, any one of the, the kind of buzzwords that fall into the, the advertising area and, and start to come into play when someone's putting a campaign together?
2: So from, from the perspective of the client or the perspective of the rep?
0: Like... Well, it's, it's both, really, because initially you've got to make that contact either direct with the client or through a rep. So what does it mean to you when you look at a picture? What are the kind of words that are communicated? Okay. If, if, if a word is, for example, confused or complicated, it's not going to be an image that you're likely to, right. to want to represent or a photographer you're likely to represent. But yeah. then of course when you're working with the client, they're in a communication process about whatever
2: they're trying to sell. As a rule, you always want that wow factor, that's spectacular. How did they get that shot? You know, that that kind of a thing. So that when a client looks at that, whether it's the ad agency or direct to a client, they're saying, Wow, this woman, this guy is really doing phenomenal work. That 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 kind of a thing. So it's, it's nothing that like, I could never say, and I don't think anyone should say, you know, go shoot this or go shoot it this way. It's you go shoot what you do. So now when we look at your website, we can see 20, 30 images that each one speaks to a vision. This is how Chris shoots, right? Because you, what, what you want is someone to say, oh, that's got to be co co shot that. You know, he shot that. So that your, your style transforms everything. It it just says, that's a co-shot, got it. Now, I may not like it, but I know what you do. And that's really the key as we get into the creative space because there are a zillion photographers, as we all know. And three quarters of those zillion are great. So now, how do we, you know, how do you separate, something I call creative separation. How do you separate yourself from everyone else? That's really the job. That's really, really the job. So that when some, you know, a client says, all of our images look exactly like our competitor and the other competitors, we need something from a product standpoint to separate ourselves from Exxon to BP, all the same. What is it? What can we see? And that's when they come to folks like you, and they'll actually use the travel award winners from your competition to say, take a look at these images. None of these images look like stock images. These are spectacular imagery. And that's what we need, right? So like entering your competition, you win this competition, that gives you recognition of you're at another level. That's really what marketing people are looking for is spectacular, is wow. It's how, you know, how did they achieve that? What, what was the post part of that? You know, all of that, right? And now as your job, as the photographer, when someone comes to you and says, how'd you do that? What was the motivation? What was the inspiration? You need to have that type of a conversation with a client so that the client gets you. As you start to break this thing down, it always comes back to you guys. It always comes back to the photographers and how you shoot and how you convey what you do to a client that isn't over-the-top esoteric. It's, I get who you are and you get who I am. Again, it's like dating, right? You want, you want that second date. You want that third date. You want to like break through Jim Morrison. You want to break through to the other side to where, wow, you and I are in sync. And that's the space where a photographer really has to get to, to get clients and to keep clients. That's really, you know, that's the nuance to, to really the whole business. So a piece of that is you're now talking to a guy who makes widgets in Cleveland, Ohio. How do you connect with that guy? You know, that's really a challenge. But if you do your research, you'll find out what made this guy tick in one way or another. And that that's really the, the the next job of the photographer, because we expect you guys to do great photography. We expect great images. But now, how are we connecting so we do the next job together and the next one and the next one? That's really the job of the photographer and the photographer and the rep to shepherd you along and, you know, make sure that this, this communication works. And the rep has to be able to just go away. Don't get involved because I see that Chris and David, you know, are really connecting. You you need to be secure enough in your relationship with your photographer or with your rep to say, she's got it. Let it go. It's perfect.
1: I'm going to pick up on a point that you touched on briefly. You said, you know, obviously the pictures have got to be wow there's always a big debate in photography and it's gone on since the start of photography but it seems to have been bigger in the last 10 years or so i guess 10 15 years editing and post versus purity pictures have got to be wow but then there are photographers who are purist photographers and i'll put myself in that camp competing against photographers who spend 10 hours editing an image so it's nothing to do with reality but it looks incredible How does that balance work? Are clients looking for reality? Are they just looking for the wow image and they don't really care how it gets there?
2: You know, if I answer that question, I'd have to kill you, right? Because (laughs) you would know the secret. And I don't know the answer to that question, you know, because each one is so individual. And if there was an answer to that, we'd all be doing that, whatever that answer would be. You know, so you have purists and then you have, but so now, so that it's, a, it's really a great question. So David, now think about who your clients are and what their background is. Now, most of the people working in these ad agencies or clients don't even know what film is. So that's sort of your audience now. So you have to, whether you want to or not, is sort of adapt to that. Like, like me, I mean, I'll, I'll do jobs now where I don't even speak to a client. I mean, actually speak. It's all done with emails and texts. I mean, that to me is, I mean, I am so much, you know, I'm a Brooklyn guy, you know, Italian, you know, we love to talk and, you know, just like be just be social, but you now have a whole generation of pe- of young people who just do it on their phones. That's really, you know, that's what you have to adapt. That's why social media being on Instagram and Twitter, you know, gives a sense of, and what you put up there gives this person a sense of who you are. And that that is really a frustrating thing to say. I mean that that is not not who I mean. Like now I write, oh that's dope. I mean because that's a, I mean how stupid is that? How stupid is that to say that's dope? And if it's really good, it's major dope. I mean that's 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 the times that we that we work in. You know like this is it's most dope. Who talks like that? But that is where you know your potential clients are. You know nothing is wonderful. It's dope. It Actually, it
1: leads on to something that's incredibly current, I guess, the, the editing versus purist,
2: AI. How is AI impacting this space and photographers? It's interesting. There's a guy, Tim, uh, Tim Tater, who does incredible work. Another guy, Glenn Beckham. And, and I, I run this show called Projections. And I'm going to have one of them on for like an hour just to discuss and show images. AI, I mean, who knows? I mean, does it take over everything? I don't know. I mean, with these programs, I mean, some of that work is is so beautiful. So so now you're caught between, you know, it's sort of like a Kodak moment. Do you adapt or do you just poo poo it? And I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. And does does it just pass you by? I mean, I don't know. But that that's technology. And that's that's where it's going. I mean, does it become
1: the end of photography and photographers who want to work in that space now just become AI artists? where They fire a bundle of keywords into an app and out comes an image and away we go. And if so, what's actually their role? Because a creative director can do that. Let me type in the words that I'm thinking of for an image of this product. Bam. Two minutes later,
2: they've got an AI produced image. Right. I mean, your analogy is absolutely perfect. But now if someone listens to this a year from now, they're going to say, boy, that guy, David, he's so old fashioned, you know, like, right. I mean, like that, that's, you know, who knows? I mean, but you again, think of, think of, think of your clients, right? These are young people working at ad agencies, young people in the marketing departments of all these, you know, all these companies around the world. This is their world. You know, this is their tweeting world. This is their TikToks. This, you know, this is this is what's going to be their technology. And when, when you, stop, you stop and think of, you know, some of the images that you've seen already, like I, I, I showed an image that this guy Tim had taken to build this hat out and this costume that this person was wearing would cost $50,000 just to build it, you know, just to make the colors and the this and the that. And now all of a sudden I can do that like that especially to a client that really is trying to break through from all the clutter. You know, all of a sudden you've got 10 you, you should really tater tim tater t a d d e r. Take a look at this guy's work. I mean, he's doing work that is so incredible. There's all these other questions around it like you say, David, I I don't know. I mean, that that and and you just have to buy the app and and you're up and running.
1: Uh, from yeah. your perspective, how do how, how would you monetize that? Because photography still has a skill involved in it. And I'm going to sound ridiculously old-fashioned or maybe even naive. There's not a lot of skill in
2: buying an app and bundling some keywords in. Fair enough. You have a point there. But then you have to go into the usage. So, okay, it didn't, it didn't take me a long time to do that. But you still came to me. And now you're still going to use these 10 images for the next five years. So maybe what happens is it becomes a usage-generated income for photographers. Yeah, I'll do all this creative stuff for you and all that, but you're going to pay to use these images, that kind of a thing. So just a little bit of a business side, you know, is going to have value to you as a photographer. So maybe from that standpoint, you don't need the rep. So is that the stock agency
0: business rising like a phoenix from the ashes?
2: Yeah, that could be. Or I mean, it, it was funny that now Getty is suing. Getty is suing somebody for one point three trillion dollars, some kind of incredible lawsuit, because now Getty feels that someone's taking advantage of them. Boy, are we all crying for Getty? So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> that tiny violin. <laughs> Yes, right. You, you you hear that in the back, right? But I mean, but you just realize that, you know, again, like I talk to photographers, they don't have a sense of usage, you know, in in any in any way. Or, and that's really where the real money is in in commercial photography. So you go become the expert on this app, and there's going to be other people. But if you want my images, you're going to have to, you know, buy them for X amount of dollars per year or a buyout, whatever it is and 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 maybe now that you know because now this is sort of a, like a brainstorming um uh, discussion is maybe there's more value in that i I created them just by hitting some keywords, but you're not gonna get anyone to duplicate exactly what I just did and you already love it. so from a marketing standpoint and and the marketing people are smarter than we think. Or, or they understand, in some cases, more of the value of these images than maybe even some of the photographers. Because they realize this is now my brand. And I'm going to own these images. And I'm not going to let anyone else create images like these. There's another point. How about if somebody else puts in the keywords and gets something similar? You know, who knows where, where this ends up? You know, that's really new territory. But, but the key would be to be a, bus- a business person and realize the value that not just because it took me only two hours to create those, that I should give them away. That's the piece. I mean, there's almost like now, cause this is really the emerging piece. We should start, there should be some ground rules for the photographers. Do not sell your images for less than $5,000. Just don't do it. You keep the level here, right? And the agencies, the clients will know, yeah, you want those images. This is what it's gonna cost. Instead of giving them away, and that's what I'm afraid will happen. You'll have, you know, these computer geeks just plugging them in and giving them away for 79 cents for a dozen. That, that, that kind of, well, it only took me an hour to do it and bluff. Where, it's, you know, Merrill Lynch or UBS is selling them, you know, is putting them all over the world and you got, you know, $10 for them. It's that, I guess,
1: you know, the, the photographer starting out is just only too happy to have their work used. So, oh my God, I got used by whoever, and it's on a billboard, and oh, that's incredible,
2: oh, that's and I didn't need money for it because it's amazing, right? Because two things: first of all, it's most dope, dope, <laughs> right? And and the problem with that is that they weren't taught in school the value of their images that because you 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 hit that right on the head. The kid's going to be so excited. She's got an image in in the Times, or, or it's an ad and she didn't care that it was a hundred dollars whereas she should if she had taken the smallest business class at those all those learning institutions around the world who teach photography so wait a second i'm not giving that away And, and maybe i don't know how much i should charge but i should call somebody from you guys have your organizations we have apa and asmp photography um membership clubs I should call somebody over there to get to, to talk me through this kind of pricing, or I should talk to a rep as a one off. And maybe that's how the rep relationship changes. Because if everyone gets to AI, then you could just call somebody like me as, as a rep or a consultant. Listen, you know, this happened, you know, I want you to represent me in the in the negotiations. So the job, you know, the shoot is done because it was all done AI. Now let's negotiate the prices because I'm in over my head, you know, as a yeah. photographer. Yeah, That's fascinating.
0: Let's change tack slightly. You're a big advocate of photographic communities and collaborations. Tell us about some of the projects that you're involved with, such as the creative business workshops and projections, which you mentioned earlier.
2: It was really my wife's idea six years ago. And what it is, we started it as once a month, we'd have photographers come in speaking about a body of work. So we'd have two or three photographers They'd come in and they would just discuss, you know, I'm working on this project and look for feedback from other photographers. And it was really great. And we and we at that point, we did it live. And then then COVID come in. Now everything is Zoom. So that's that's really emerged into uh, now what I've done this past year with uh, with the war in uh, Ukraine. We did solid weeks where we had five nights straight, a photojournalist coming in speaking about their work in Ukraine. So we've now had 35 presentations from world-renowned, Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalists speaking about the work. So this body of work is evidence of war crimes that Putin and his army have have presented. But I'm really proud of of the projections format. You're getting photographers from around the world speak about their work like i said we've done this particular thing with ukraine with the war breaking out that was just that was something special but we're going to continue that one we have one coming um we have one coming in april but the projections platform is is really is really interesting because people get a lot of feedback and they get insight into you know how other people work and what motivates them and you know how to work a story over a period of time um, and going back and, you know, doing more work on it, more work on it. So that 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 really is great. I, mean, I really love the projections uh, format. And then, the, you know, my workshops are about, you know, talking to photographers about, you know, through through actual case histories of jobs, because, you know, you talk about a business workshop, you know, what could be possibly more boring than that? You know, let's just talk about numbers, right? You want to shoot yourself. But what I do is I, I do it with two or three photographer case histories. this is how this is the project came in and this is how we did it and i'm very big on this term called creative separation how do you separate yourself from everybody else and it's not only just with your style but it's doing an estimate that really stands out just by one thing that nobody else was thinking about because i tell the photographers you know imagine this is how it really happens in an ad agency the client comes in the ad agency is there And now somebody in that room has to be your advocate. Who is going to be your advocate to say, David is the photographer we want to do this job with. And someone's going to say, why? And now they're going to tell you, you need somebody in that room to say, David's the the guy and this is the reason why. You know, he did that. He's doing this. He's doing this. If you don't have that advocate, all that estimating, all that negotiation is out the window. How do you connect with your clients? So it's connecting with the client's, but then separating yourself from your competition. You know, that's the essence of that workshop. And and it's really a lot of fun doing.
1: I think we're probably going to wrap up now, but I've I've got a final question that kind of harks back to something we were talking about just now. And arguably is, I mean, you've given so much useful and interesting information, but this might be the most bluntly useful bit. Where does a photographer actually go to find an appropriate agent? You talked about, finding the right agent fit for you? Where does does photographer even begin? Because a lot of photographers just don't even have a sense of agents, what they do, hopefully they've got a better idea now, but then where on earth
2: they might go and find an agent? Okay, so you can do one of two things. One, you know who your competition is. So go to their websites and see who they are represented by. That's one place to find just some names. But we have source books here in the States. So we have something called the workbook, workbook, black book, lay book. There's a number of those books. So in those books, there are ads for photographers. And on, on those ads, it'll say represented by Marian Campbell, represented by the photo group, represented by Heather Elder. That's where you start. You start, now you Google heatherelder.com. Her name will pop up. She's an agent. That's the process. So from source books to photo competitions, You'll just start to see the names. Or if you have connections with any ad agencies, you can, and this is a great way to do it, say, you know, by the way, I'm looking for a rep. Can you recommend anyone? So the art, I don't know if you guys call them art producers or art buyers, they, they can give you names. That is really an easy thing to
1: do. It's interesting because, you know, there's there's so much that we've talked about. But often for many people, it's what is that first step? i can I can see some of this stuff over here that we've talked about, but what's that first step that needs to be taken to get to somewhere over here? And you know you don't climb Everest by looking at the top, you take one step after another, and eventually you're there. and 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 where is that first step for for so many first people? Step, and I think that's the disconnect.
2: Okay, first step is get yourself a source book. Any place where photographers advertise their goods to potential clients. So that would be the first place. Do you have organizations like a photography organization? Yeah. In there, I am sure, you know, in that group, there are people who are represented by photographers. Just ask, you know, who's your rep? The edits or even your, um, the editorial space. You know, I'm looking for a rep. Can you recommend somebody who's good? You know, I don't need a reference. Just tell me some names. David, that's the easiest part. If that's your hurdle, just power through that, you know, run through that hill. That is not, that's not the hard part. The hard part is finding the one that's a right match for you. You know, that, that's really the key. Cause you can get a list. I mean, I could send you a list of reps, you know, I could type it up and, and send them to you. It's finding the one who is right for me.
1: It's more that, you know, I talk to photographers and the people who they just don't have even the first concept of where they go, what they
2: do. Really, In a lot of cases, they don't even have a concept that this space exists Right. And that 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 gets me back to the schools. The schools in these workshops are really doing a discredit to our industry that that you guys that you guys don't know that as second nature, like the way you know what lens to use or what filter is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. That, that really isn't fair. It really you, is you,
0: not fair. You've sparked another question. I know David said it was going to be the last one, but just quickly, you get involved in a lot of photography competitions and things like that. Do you find people who are not represented through them?
2: Yes, absolutely. Because so now you're looking at someone's work and say, wow, that's really beautiful. Who shot that? And that's, you know, Michael Smith. Michael Smith shot that. And now if I'm interested or anyone's interested in finding out who who Michael Smith is represented by or not, you just go to their website. So being a judge, you see the photographers. A lot of times they don't give you the names. Sometimes they do. But certainly you see it when, when the final book comes out, you know, their names. And then, you know, again, so it's doing that research to find out who is that photographer and are they represented by somebody.
0: But you're yeah. always looking from your end as well. It's not just the photographer.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, um, agents are always looking for uh, photographers all the time. I mean, think, think from an sitting sit in an agency, uh, uh, an agent's you know seat. I just want to make money. Right. I mean, that's what an agent thinks. Want to make money? Who's shooting? Who's got work coming in that I can get more work for and better work? So, yeah, that's an easy thing. I wonder whether actually that's the step because you find a lot of photographers
1: maybe just sitting, waiting for the work to come in and they're not going out looking for it by not knowing that space. They're they're hoping they win a competition and suddenly the phone's going to be ringing off the hook. They don't understand they need to go out and do the legwork. And the competition is absolutely going to help them, but they've
2: got to put legwork in as well. Yes, that that you know, and and I have to say, David, as you say that that sounds so naive the way you say it, but it's so fundamental from where I sit, right? I mean, you got to work your ass off. I mean, this is not an easy game. You know, this is a you know this is a tough business with with a lot of terrific talent. You know, every which way you look, yeah, I mean, you, you've you got to be out there all the time. Win this competition, win that competition. There's always another competition, right? There's somebody else winning tomorrow and the next day. But if you win that, see, here's the key. You win that competition, it's going to be easier to call somebody who's representing, you know, this photographer, you know, or any of these other photographers here, you know, from another, another agency. I just won the travel award, the gold standard travel of the year award. Now that says to me as a rep, okay, this guy, you know, he must have terrific work. Let me take a look. And you start your own marketing campaign around that. Create your list of 20, 50 reps. You win an award, send them an email blast. You just won the travel of the year award. Puff, They they get an email blast. And you start to narrow it down on the ones who really are the right fit for you. You It's really having a systematic plan.
1: It's intriguing and it leads into so many other questions, but we're so, this is probably one of the longest podcasts I think we've had so far because there's so much to unpack here. And I think we might have to come back to you at some point and do another one, do a follow-up and find out more. because My, my pleasure. I'll do that
2: with you guys in a second. In an absolute second.
1: I mean, it's absolutely intriguing, and and sitting here as a photographer, getting a sense of your world and what you do, and, and how you, in short, in in the most crass possible terms, make more money for photographers. Which, but that's what, see that that's the thing that it shouldn't be crass. It You're shouldn't be to make money. It it's shouldn't okay. be. But, but we're photographers. We're artists. We don't <laughs> want to deal with that. So it's like, ah, how do you you charge the right amount of money when talking about money is just so anathema to so many photographers?
2: I mean, you you just now did the whole, um, I don't know what the right word is. You just now did the whole set of what the photography world is for photographers. They're intimidated by it. They're shy. You know, it's okay to, you know, it's okay to make money. It's not, it's not a bad thing. You're not doing something illegal to do it. You know, it's your craft. You guys have mastered a craft and people are coming to you not only be, not because they like you, but because you're going to make more products for them to sell and create more jobs. I mean, it's it's the whole economic line. You know, you guys are are, are a major piece of that, a major pre- piece of that. Embrace it, you know, embrace it with, with all your heart. and So just don't lose your soul in doing it. And I'm sure because most photographers are are just like you guys are down-to-earth people you know just doing what you want to do right and and making a a good living at it is okay it's fine well that's brilliant frank Um, it certainly made me think
0: differently about whether an agent would fit into my photography and giving me some insights into how i if it does i might go about finding one
1: it's so interesting you know chris has got i don't know how many years photography experience maybe we shouldn't mention that um, <laughs> I had another career first <laughs> um, you know I've I've got 20 be nice David be uh, nice. Oh, Chris knows I'm never nice um, <laughs> I've got I've got 20 years in the industry but I guess what between us therefore I've got 30 okay so between yeah. us 50 years of photographic experience and you've managed to make us think differently or expanded our vision into other parts of the industry that maybe we knew about but didn't know about and that in itself is so powerful. And so, like your passion just comes through so strongly that it's infectious and it it, it fires up passion in people with 50 years between them of photographic industry experience. And that has then, been one of the most eye-opening things about this conversation.
0: It's not That's just fired up that passion, it's kind of rerouted it as well, because I've always been passionate about taking the picture as indeed you are, but it's then finding the passion of what you do with that picture afterwards.
2: Yeah, nothing makes me happier than folks, you know, in in the the level that you guys are in, right, and and where you are in your career that you need a kick in the ass, right? Like just Let to see, <laughs> yeah, no, just yeah, just be just looking at the same thing, just looking at it now a little bit differently, you know, opens up this whole other world. Like, how come I didn't notice that before? You know that that kind of a thing is 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 so incredibly rewarding, and that's why I say, you know, going going back to the schools, you know, it's never too late to inspire. You know, you guys are doing it all the time. You know, with your imagery, you're showing images to other people, and you're inspiring them. There is a moment where you guys need to be inspired. That that's just the, the you know the cycle of it all. But yeah, call me tomorrow. I do it tomorrow with you. You know, we can continue. I, I mean, nothing would make me happier than, than you know, to come back whenever it, you know it fits, uh, fits what you you guys are doing, and you know we, we can, yeah, we can just go on. But the thing, David, the one thing you must change: you can no longer say it's so interesting. That seems so old, David. It's dope, oh, man. Sorry, <laughs> <It's> so <bad. laughs> Frank. It this has dope. been the most major dope
1: conversation I've had. That's what I wanted. A long time. And and I've been called a dope
0: and I never knew it was a compliment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's very good. Very, very good.
0: Okay, Uh, well, the idea of being inspired again seems like a perfect way to kind of end this lovely discussion. So thank you very much for your time and for all your amazing thoughts and suggestions. Your passion,
2: your insights, your inspiration, everything. Yeah. yeah no and thank you the last thing if you guys could suggest oh on, on this if people can go to my youtube page and see some of the past projections there's a lot of great stuff in there and subscribe when you get there yes thank you no, frank. i appreciate that very much thanks guys thank you frank